You're listening to Ants Talk. My next guest was Catfish for 12 years, starting when she was only 15 years old. We are all aware of how catfishing has become so prevalent in today's world, some even losing a lifetime of savings to it. Please welcome to the show, Susanna Birch. How are you, Susanna? Thank you for coming on to the show. I'm great for a Friday. How are you, Ant? I'm very well, also for a Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Now, how did the catfishing come about? Well, essentially it started because as all teenagers do, I wanted to learn new things and explore the internet. And I thought I knew everything at that age. (laughs) So I discovered a teen chat room and started talking with all these other people I assumed were in my age range. And I hit it off with a guy who said he was 17 years old. Mm. And it, it made sense because he said he lived in my state. He used terminology that I could understand. He seemed to be a genuine Australian guy. And I had no reason to doubt that at the time. And I didn't have the experience to doubt it either. Mm. Mm. It is so easy to fall into, um, as we just discussed prior to the interview, I myself have actually been catfish and it's amazing the things that they can come up with to really make you believe their existence and also the truth about them. Um, there's, my story is, is so detailed, it's ridiculous, but I will continue on with the questions and we will chat more about it though. What was some of, like, did you ever think you were being fooled? Like, because when, when I was going through mine, there were so many times where I was like, is this guy real? There just seems to be too many excuses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Did you have that same thing? I absolutely did, Ant. And I was going through, in my mind, mentally, what it could be. And I made the assumption it was something small he was embarrassed about. Maybe he still lived with his parents. Maybe he was, you know, on the dole. Maybe it was something small. Maybe he didn't have the job he said he did. And so I never assumed it would be his entire identity. I just thought it would be one or two small things he was lying about. Mm-hmm. Perhaps he didn't have the money to come and meet and so on. And at the time, I was 15. He, was, he claimed to be 17. And we talked on and off. We had a romantic relationship for three years. And then we talked occasionally, but as friends, we often wouldn't talk for up to a year sometimes, for a further nine years. And that was when I discovered he was actually in his 60s. He wasn't my age. Oh, my God. Wow. And he was using his son's photos and his son's identity. Yeah, yeah. What were some of the excuses that um, he gave you to keep sort of involved? Well, when I was a teenager, they were very logical ones that I would use myself. For instance, um, I'm still in high school, so I can't meet. I can't uh, meet because my parents have, you know, rules, mm. or I can't buy a webcam because my parents are very paranoid about the internet. And I went, well, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. And as he got older, he had uni. He didn't have a job while he was studying, so he couldn't afford to travel. So all these little reasons that just kept adding up over time and all made logical sense as time went on Mm, mm. but at the same time I just felt like if he was genuine it wouldn't have gone on for that long and so part of me was always questioning that 
Yeah. See, with me, my, my circumstance was I met him online. He was actually from the States. Um, and he had only one photograph. I should have, wow. I should have worked it out. So only one photograph, but I mean, in the same way, this really was, this is a while ago now. So it would probably be about, I'd say eight to 10 years that we were doing this. So like a lot of the excuses he gave, I thought were quite, oh, well, you know, it's possible. Um, but he actually came up with a story that he was actually a twin and that because he was a twin and growing up in Kansas, in Missouri, um, him and his twin brother were molested by an, an uncle. Now this uncle supposedly took photos of them. So therefore he was scared of cameras and getting his photograph taken because of this molestation and the, the things that were happening when he was photographed when he was younger and all this sort of stuff. Um, we used to call each other. We were having a full-on relationship. Yeah, you know, well, I'd call him. He barely ever called me. Um, he never asked for money, nothing like that. It was purely an emotional connection. And it wasn't until I kept harping on, like, I need more information. I need more proof because I was really doubting it. I kept having these doubts and I really wanted to believe it was true. So I kept pressuring him for some sort of response. Um, Weirdly enough, he did then provide me with um, some photographs of a child who really did look like the person that was in this original photograph. Um, and it was a birthday party and stuff like that. But then again, that then raised more questions for me because I was sort of like, yeah, but you're a twin. So where is your twin? Because you'd always be having your birthdays together. So where's your twins photos in this, this series of photographs? Um, in the end, I did do a, um, uh, so there's one of those services over in the States where you can actually pay for someone to look into the information you're given, like the address, the phone number, et cetera, et cetera. And I found out he was a, I think a 50 something year old man who was straight married with children. <laughs> and we wow. used we used to have phone sex and all that sort of stuff. So obviously this so guy not that straight in the yes, closet. not that straight at all. So obviously I was almost his escape from his real life. It was devastating when I did find this out because even then you're still like, but what if? But what if? It's because you just mm. want it to be real so badly. It's it's I, I I know exactly where you're coming from. It's it's a really I mean, and it's happening still to this day with so many people. It's incredible. Um, do you think, because I also know that you went through quite um, a, a traumatic childhood experience, do you think that made it easier for them to gain your trust? And if you're comfortable about talking about that experience? Well, in, well, the first part, I guess, is what the experience is. Um, now, just a trigger warning for any of your listeners, this can be triggering for some people. Yes. Uh, when I was a toddler, two and a half years old, my mother cut my throat with a knife. And I was very close to death, but I was lucky that some surgeons saved my life. Mm. And um, I then had a tube in my throat for 11 years. And I was also homeschooled. So I was raised as an only child. I was homeschooled. I had limited social interaction. So that's a really good question, Ant. And mm. it makes sense. If I was a um, child who was very isolated, would that have impacted on me? falling for a fraud online because I didn't see the signs. Yeah. And 
at the point in which I met him, I'd been going to a traditional school for a year and a half. So I did have a friend group by that point. Mm. And I don't know if there's a clear-cut yes or no answer. I do think the fact that I hadn't been exposed to wider social groups at a younger age meant I kind of dived headfirst into meeting new people. Yeah. So there is that. And, and I would spend a lot of time online talking to different people. So I think to a degree it may have added onto the fact I got catfished. But mm. that said, there are lots of people who get catfished as teenagers or adults um, who didn't come from the same situation as me. So yeah. I guess like everything in life, pieces add up and kind of make you go a certain way, but you have to be yeah. in the situation for it to happen. I think loneliness is a big one. Um, for me, it was because I was lonely. I mean, even though I was living in Sydney, had a lot of friends and all that sort of stuff, I really did want a relationship and wanted to be in love. And that loneliness alone compelled me to then find it with this person. Um, and there's also quite a high profile case, um, which you probably know about. I've, I actually know the girl myself, Casey Donovan who was catfished for several years by a woman that was pretending to be a guy. And that, that case alone, to be honest, it's actually a very fascinating story. So if any listeners want to go and Google and seek that out, it's actually quite a, an interesting look at how people can be catfished so easily and led to believe such humongous lies. But when you're in the moment and in the actual lie itself, it seems completely and utterly believable to you, completely. Well, I guess coming from the perspective of your relationships, Ant, uh, one thing my psychologist said to me is that discovering I'd been catfished, she said I had a similar reaction to someone who found out their partner was gay. Mm, mm. So, um, you know, living with someone for years who you thought, for instance, was a male and female relationship and finding out they were gay instead, you question everything. And she yeah. said after dealing with people who'd had that happen, she found I had a similar reaction. Mm. It's funny because I was only talking about that again with my husband the other day. Um, we were talking about that and he sort of said, oh, but wouldn't it be, wouldn't the women feel a lot better about the breakup of the relationship because it wasn't anything wrong with them. They just didn't have a penis as such. And I was like, well, no, not really, because you've got to then think that, especially if they've had children and et cetera, et cetera, then was that a whole thing a lie? And did he ever love me? And I mean, I really get the, the other side of the thinking. I just don't think it's as clear cut as that. It would be quite traumatic and almost life-changing because you would wonder whether it was real at all like like we went through with these people that weren't real in the end either absolutely and mm. i i think it does come down to the fact that there's no single emotion i mean i know i went through anger i went through relief because mm. i went oh it's not my fault and also questioning like did this thing that happened 10 years ago mean something different than i thought it did yeah. So you look at everything in a different perspective, I guess. I mean, I even like the other, I mean, funny enough, it's been what, 
eight, ten years now. And I even the other day went back on Facebook and looked up his name to see if he was still on there catfishing other people. <laughs> I really didn't. I mean, that's ten years later. He's still got that ounce of control over me. Really, it's it's absolutely bizarre. I admit, the way your I mind do works. the same sometimes. Yeah, I just want to catch him out now. I suppose that's what the reality is. So, when did you finally find out about the lies? How did it sort of unravel? Uh, it was back in 2014, and like you, I used an American website um, to find out his identity, and they did it from just a photo and an email in 24 wow. hours. And um, I was I was amazed. I didn't think they'd find anything because I, of course, would Google now and then when he gave me details and try and locate him and his identity. Mm. But because he was using a fake name, it never really worked out. <laughs> yeah. But... I got his details about 24 hours after applying online because I saw the show Catfish and I'd never heard of the concept before then. Mm. And once I found out his identity, I found out uh, where he worked. I rang his work, got his voicemail. It was the voice I had talked to on the phone. And then I confronted him the next night. Wow. And, and right to the end, I will say, he tried his best to keep up the facade and pretend that he really was who he claimed to be. And it wasn't until I specifically said, this is your work number, where he broke down and went, okay, it was a lie. And then, wow. then he backpedaled and said, you can't tell anyone and, and it'll hurt my family and all that kind of thing and became very defensive. Mm. Yeah, too bad it hurt your family. What about me? Yeah. Mm. Did, did you confront your catfish or? I didn't, no. So we, yeah, I'd sort of, pressured him so much so that he's disappeared after a while. And what happened was when I'd done that um, search uh, thing that I paid for, I then did send him an email and just basically let him have it. <laughs> um, and he would have received it. I know that, but uh, there was never any response or anything after. And the funny thing is, is that um, just at that point of time, uh, Google image search had just been sort of created. So when I then went and looked for his photograph, because I still even thought, well, maybe that was him. And it was actually some famous baseball player, I think, in the States. I never knew. I hate sports. So I never knew who this person was, but that he was literally using this person's photograph. So then I'm wondering also if he had gotten his hands somehow just by Googling also maybe that was this baseball player's son or even his uh, an earlier birthday of his and that's how he got those photographs because i must say that the photographs of the, the child that he sent me really did look like this baseball player they were very similar in look so i just see that there was some sort of connection there at least because he's um he's obviously done his work quite well in that way um but yeah i I just thought I was just going to forget about it and move on. But it played on my mind so many times after over the next couple of years. It was incredible. And I, I really did just avoid all contact with people like that from then on. If you had a single photograph or no photograph, you were not hearing from me. You had to have a full page of photographs. <laughs> and I, I love when you can find people who've got a connection of friends and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just literally would not speak to anybody that didn't have a list of things ready on their profiles to sort of share and talk about. I just wouldn't put up with it. Live, love, and talk. Now, also, I've 
because well, I actually did go to your website and I actually loved your website. It was so filled with amazing things to read. There was it's so you're actually such an interesting person. You're a birth doula. Is that correct? Is that how you say it? Thank you. Yes. Um, that's one of the many things I do. Honestly, yeah. I'm addicted to learning things. I just love learning and trying things. That that summarizes me. Yeah. But, um, I don't attend many births at the moment because it means you have to be on call for about five weeks. But wow. a birth doula is essentially someone who's a birth coach. So okay. the midwife and the doctor take care of the medical side. But during birth, often the woman is um, only seeing a nurse once every hour or so during the labour. And she might have shift changeovers and have different people around. And it can get very overwhelming when you're going mm. through labour. So my role is to just be there as a support throughout the entire event, um, in the weeks leading up to it, in the weeks after. And just to bring that continuity, support, mental health help and all that um, to the process. That's because, cool. Yeah. So it's more like it's more like an emotional support, I suppose, because you're not getting a lot of that when you're actually in hospital with nurses and doctors, et cetera, et cetera. They, I mean, they try their best, but they've got enough to do with their own jobs <laughs> as they're well, doing Well, that's the thing. Yeah. And, and the partner as well. Often the partner is forgotten and he forgets to drink. He forgets to eat. Mm. He forgets to, uh, or he'll say things during labour and he'll try and massage. And that's the point where the doula steps in and goes, actually, that's not helping, but here's yeah, something yeah. you can do to feel like you're helping in the process. So it's about keeping everyone calm and feeling heard and accepted and as if, as if they're actually helping mm. during labour and birth. I love it. And you've also written a book detailing some of your life story. Can you tell us about that? Well, it hasn't been published as yet. Um, if anyone's I have listening. way too many things <laughs> on my plate. I should finish. <laughs> but it currently um, it is being made into a movie, actually. I'm doing wow. everything back to front. Um, so the script won an award just before COVID started, actually. Um, the Australian International Screenwriting Awards won first place earlier in the year. How amazing. So it's now being um, looked at the next stages of what happens next. And don't ask me what happens next because the whole process I just keep going along with and going, oh, I had no idea movies work like this. But, That's um, incredible. Yes. Oh, that would be so exciting to see because, I mean, I must say it's, it's, it's such an interesting story and one that we don't hear about every day. So watching it on the, on the big screen would be absolutely enthralling, I must say. Now, what would be some advice you would offer to other people who think they may be being catfished? I think one of the biggest things is be aware what gaslighting is and what it looks like. Mm. Because from what I've seen dealing with people who create fake accounts online is that they're very good at making you feel guilty for asking questions and making you feel guilty if you don't do the things they ask. So they're very good at manipulating you emotionally to do things. Mm. So it's important to go, wait a minute, they're trying to make me feel bad for saying, can I have your real location? Can I have a photo of you? Uh, where do you actually work? And if they're not willing to give that information, it's not a trust issue. It's actually them trying to cover something up. And so often they use your own trust against you, from what I've seen. 
So the, the other thing I think is that these days everyone has a digital footprint. I mean, everyone's been mentioned in like a school newsletter that's online or you've got a story in the local newspaper when you won an award or, um, you know, your workplace has featured you as an employee on their website. It, it's almost impossible for you not to appear somewhere online with your real details. So um, if they're not online, they don't have a digital footprint, I think that would be a big warning sign. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I actually, um, going back to the show Catfish, I only watched it again the other day because I love that show. Um, and funny enough, it was one of the more current versions and he basically just said, this person is not going to meet you talk to you, video chat with you, send photos, whatever you ask for these days, then they are catfishing you. He said, because in this day and age, technology is so far advanced from even when you and I were being catfished that there is just no way that a person can't send you that stuff because everyone has a phone. We don't even have phones anymore that aren't capable of taking a photo or being a video chat, et cetera, et cetera. I would say, though, I mean, yes, 90% of the time, a video chat is going to clear things up. But two issues are, number one, just because you video chat, it doesn't prove who they are or where they are or Very details true. like that. Yeah. And secondly, there's now some amazing technology around what you can do on live video chat. There was a case in China last year, I believe, where a Chinese influencer, um, I think he was in her 60s, and not that overly attractive was using a video app to live chat with her followers and he appeared very beautiful and very interesting and during one of her broadcasts the actual um immigrant slipped and they saw the real face oh. and it turned into a giant meltdown online she lost millions wow. of followers so uh, the problem is that as soon as technology is helpful to us someone figures out how to use that technology in a bad so way again so true yeah because that is a, a good warning because you do have all those apps and face tuning and everything else that's available out there now that we can basically do a video chat and have a background that we're in a, a street in new york or a, a tropical location a location on a beach so it is quite easy to still do that sort of stuff but um as i was saying as much information as much as you can get a person doing that you may be a bit dubious about is only going to benefit in, in the long run because as much information you can get from them is going to show who they really are. I completely agree with that. Now, what would be some of the things you would say to look out for specifically? I hate to say this, but if they're too good looking, they're probably not real. <laughs> I wish I'd heard that one because he was really good looking. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are some really good looking people online who online date, but the majority of people... Are just average, not ugly, yeah. just average. And if yeah. someone looks like a supermodel, well, it's probably not a real account. <laughs> um, and, and what else is there to look out for? I guess the other one is, as you said, information. It all comes mm. down to that information. And there are often really good legitimate reasons for them not to share. But in my experience talking online with people, like I have a huge Twitter account and I talk with strangers from all around the world who connect with me in my story. And I even have phone and Zoom conversations with them. But out of all the ones I talk to who are real, 100% of them open up to me with more details about their life as soon as 
they realize we're both real and we've got a connection. Mm-hmm. Catfish don't do that. Catfish spend all their time trying to cover things up and trying to avoid telling the truth. So a real person will open up once you've got that connection and once you get to know them. Yeah, so true. Now, Susanna, how can people find out more about you? Um, any social media platform or go to my website, um, www.susannabirch.com. So, yes, I'm a, I'm a big social media addict, so I'm basically on every platform out there. <laughs> Funny enough, in your original email, you just said you can just buy, find more about me by Googling my name, and she was correct. <laughs> All you need to do is Google the name, and you can actually read much more about Susanna's life. It's, it's fascinating reading. It really is. It was, I love your website. It's just such a, a wealth of information and stories and knowledge, and I just loved it. It was brilliant. Well, Susanna, thank you so much for coming onto the show and uh, sharing your uh, story and also your views around the catfishing because I think it is so important these days because it is still happening. Um, and especially as I mentioned earlier with people that are being ripped off for hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars by people that are catfishing them. And hopefully by listeners listening to our little chat, they can be a little bit more aware themselves about their online um, relationships and, and interactions because it's it's so important to be aware of the possibilities of what is out there because it's still out there and it is full on. <laughs> Absolutely. And I don't think it's getting better. People say there's easier tech to use and it's easier to spot a fake, but I mean, the number of bots out there in the uh, elections and so on, it's obvious that this is not a problem that's going to go away. No, exactly, exactly. Well, Susanna, thank you again. I really appreciate it, and we will chat soon. Thank you. Thank you. Ants Talk. It's like Oprah, but not.